Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Good Faith Idea Exchange. For today's episode, this is the third and final part of my three-part series with Reverend Dr. Jeremy Hall. And in this part, we are talking about the church and its relation with the LGBTQIA plus community. And um, Reverend Dr. Hall has some very interesting things to say about the church and its, you know, relation, its relationship with this community or lack thereof. And, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I think if you give this a listen, you're going to, one way or another, you're definitely going to have some thoughts about this. And, um, yeah, I think that's kind of the important thing that, uh, we're inspiring conversation, open conversation, open communication about these, uh, difficult topics. And, um, you know, we're talking about that and, um, then we're getting into even more, uh, an even deeper place of where the church really, really stands in modern society and where the Bible stands in modern society. Um, Reverend Dr. Hall has some very interesting thoughts on all of this, so give it a listen. Yeah, this is uh, just such an interesting conversation. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Um, I wish we could talk for even longer, but uh, so, um, you know, hopefully maybe we can do this again at some point. You know, I'd love to. Just putting that out there. Okay, well, you know, we'll see. But uh, so, Jeremy, I think, um, you know, many of us have seen on the news and seen in social media, um, you know, issues between, you know, the LGBTQ community and, you know, and the, and the church, you know, and, and religion, you know, can you tell me how this community factors into Christianity and, you know, just what, what are your thoughts? Yes. Yes, I can. So I, um, I've got skin in this game. Um, in, 2019, I was pastoring a Southern Baptist church as the associate pastor. Um, for those of y'all outside the lingo, I was the vice president or the assistant principal or the number two chair, whatever language you like. Um, but I was the, the second in command of this church. And the Southern Baptists have a very clear stance based on a few verses, a few sentences pulled out of the Bible that they've built a whole ethical framework around that says that um, one gay people don't exist. The LGBT community aren't, it's not real that that's some sort of delusion that it's rebellion, that it's mental illness, but it's not a reality. There are no gay people Two, to engage in such activities or even to bear the identity openly or intentionally is to put yourself completely outside of the will of God to the point of eternal damnation. This teaching is killing people. It has been killing people for a very long time and is at this moment killing people. Uh, in the city of Atlanta, there are thousands of homeless teenagers because of the church. Their Christian parents have thrown them out of the house for not being cis, uh, for having a different than expected gender identity or for coming out as gay or lesbian or 
whatever it is that they have explored their identity outside of traditional heteronormative cisgendered life and are ejected from the world because of it, kicked out of their church, kicked out of their home, pushed to the margins and off the edge of the earth. That is bad fruit. Jesus tells us you will know if teachings are good by the fruit that they bear. Dead kids means you're doing something wrong. Your theology is killing children. It's wrong. Um, So that's what started that process for me was was this needs to be reexamined because it is hurting people. So in 2019, I was pastoring this church that has a very clear statement about gay people that they don't exist. And if you think you're one, then you're going to hell. And you're certainly not going to be in our church. We had a long, drawn-out conversation and struggle I've talked about on dozens of podcasts. There's a great book, little book out there if you're interested in that story by the other pastor of that church, my friend, Jim Conrad. The book is called The Rainbow Revival, about what happened at this church, Townview Baptist, in North Atlanta. And we voted in 2019 to welcome LGBTQ folks into full membership in our church. Uh, which did get us kicked out of the denomination, did cost us a third of our staff, a third of our congregation, and half of our money. But it was the right thing to do. I I won't get into the weeds of why the six, we call them the clobber passages frequently, the six passages used to clobber gay people. Plenty of folks have done a wonderful job of explaining why those passages don't say what you think they say. The, The shortest version of it is, None of them are as clear as you think they are when you read them in English, especially if you read them in certain Bibles. Mm. So if the passages aren't as clear as we thought they were, and the theology and the ethics that we have built is killing people, we need to reevaluate it. My doctoral thesis was on this, the because um, Baptist churches in particular, and a lot of evangelical churches in that tradition, Um, They engage in a practice that we like to call proof texting. If you've got a question about the world, you look it up in your concordance or the back of your Bible, or usually you just Google it. You Google, what does the Bible say about gay people? And it spits out Leviticus 19. A man shall not lie with a man as a woman. It is an abomination unto the Lord. They shall surely be put to death. And you say, well, there it is. That's the end. I figured it out. I'm done. I don't have to think or worry or wrestle with this at all because it's crystal clear. Well, it turns out it's not actually crystal clear. And if you didn't just read one verse, you might come to a different conclusion. And so what I was doing in my thesis was I was saying there's a meta narrative at play throughout the Bible that these 66 books that this grand diverse library, they are all talking about the same God from different perspectives and different angles and different locations and whatever but they aren't talking about the same thing. And if you look at the big story from Genesis to Revelation, there is no S on the end of that book. The last book of the Bible is not Revelations. It is Revelation, and I will fight you on that. That is my soapbox. (laughs) Um, There is a, a story, there's a single narrative that you can follow through that about an expansion of God's hospitality and welcome that starts... Um. In Genesis 12, when we meet Abraham, God chooses a man and his family and his kids. And from there, it only, the funnel widens through all of divine and human history. 
God chooses a man and then chooses his family and then chooses his kids and they become tribes and they become a nation and they become a whole people group. And then it explodes and the church comes on the scene and starts welcoming people that were never welcome in the family of God before. And this just keeps going all throughout the New Testament. We, the first non-Jewish person to get saved in the New Testament, the first one to say yes to Jesus, is a non-cis black man from Africa. Is the first person to join the church who's not Jewish. The Ethiopian eunuch is the first person to get baptized who's not part of that first Jewish movement. And just all of the, the inner, here's a scary word. The intersectionality of that moment matters. It's put there for a reason. He's the first for a reason. He's the wrong color. He's the wrong religion. He's the wrong background. He's from the wrong continent and his gender is wrong. Part of the way that they understood being a eunuch was that it was a third gender that lied somewhere outside of the binary of male and female. And the Bible explicitly says, if you are a eunuch, you can't approach God. You can't come into the assembly. You're not allowed to come worship God in the temple because you are so fundamentally outside of God's design. And that's the first person that the Holy Spirit, because the, man, this story, it gets me so fired up. I, when I Philip see that. baptizes, right? <laughs> when Philip baptizes this dude, he doesn't want to because he knows, he knows the Bible. He knows the rules. He knows that this is a Jewish movement from Jerusalem for the people that God chooses. And all of a sudden there's an Ethiopian eunuch saying, what's to keep me from being baptized? And it was the Holy Spirit that the language there is strong. The Holy Spirit pushes or drives or forces Philip to go engage this person. And then the Holy Spirit does a miracle at the end of the story, just so that we really know God's okay with what just happened. Hmm. It's incredible. Hmm. Um, and, and so if you read the Bible, if you read the whole thing, those six clobber passages, they get real small, real fast. And then their ambiguity and their lack of clarity um, and their contextuality make them even less in that conversation. And then you find yourself following Jesus. And what, is, what does Jesus say about these people? And, and we start to see that answered in the New Testament with stories like the Ethiopian eunuch. And then by the time you get to Revelation and we see the dream of God fulfilled, the dream of God is laid out in Genesis chapter 12. It's to bless all the families of the earth. When God brings all of humanity to live in the new city, the new Jerusalem, it doesn't have walls. The city, its gates are always open and it's a city without walls because it's too big to contain. Everyone is welcome. All right. Um, okay. So, uh, well, so earlier you had mentioned um, you had mentioned your book, um, mm -hmm. you know, worn out pages, an invitation back to the Bible, and you know you had mentioned that we would probably get to it later, and now is later. Um, awesome. Could you could you do me a favor and just dive into your book a little bit and um, tell me a little bit more about about it? 
Yeah, worn out pages is from TikTok. The <laughs> I wrote this book on in real time on TikTok. That's really? the least academic thing that Dr. Hall has ever done. Um, <laughs> All right. During then. the pandemic, I was a pastor and I was cut off from my people in a lot of ways. We were worshiping online, very limited contact. I'd meet some people in the park, depending on who is comfortable with what, all different levels of protection. We took it as seriously as we could. And I heard someone on a TikTok video. I'm I'm prolific on TikTok. It's somewhere between impressive and embarrassing. <laughs> uh, but I'm Pastor Jeremy Kennesaw on TikTok. And I, someone told me, that the Bible, they said, the Bible's just an old arcane book. It has nothing to say to us today. It's completely irrelevant. And so I, I wanted to challenge that. So I started doing just, at this time, TikTok was still just one-minute videos. So I was doing one-minute monologues just off the top of my head. A little bit of research beforehand, like go and do a little bit of homework, but then just go about why. Isaiah has something to say to COVID-19 stricken America. Why Genesis has something to say to families that are spending way too much time together and learning how to be homeschooling parents. Why uh, Second John has something to say to our political division and moment. And as it turns out, all 66 books of the traditional Protestant canon are still relevant and so I did this series, and I called the series The Bible is Irrelevant. I've renamed it Worn Out Pages because the, the snarky, sarcastic title wasn't helping me. But on each, each page of this book, you get one of the, the books of the Bible, and it gets a poetic, takes about 60 seconds to read, a poetic invitation, a, a single treatment that says, Look what's in this book. This has something to say to you. And the hope is that someone would read that and be propelled back to go and actually study the scriptures. Because that's, that's one of my big things is biblical literacy. I want people yeah. to know the Bible and know how to use the Bible. Because it's, it's dangerous to not have it, and it might be more dangerous to have it and misuse it. That uh, makes perfect sense to me. Um, I imagine that'll make perfect sense to pretty much everyone who hears and sees and sees this, um, you know, but, uh, you know, at the same time, even if it doesn't, that's kind of what the podcast is here for the good faith idea exchange. Um, but, uh, that is really interesting, you know, and when you said that you started it on, you know, that this kind of came to you sort of from TikTok, um, I honestly thought you were kidding, but you know, you were serious. No, it's real. It's a little <laughs> embarrassing. It's in my acknowledgments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder if anyone has ever written this sentence anywhere before. TikTok. I must thank TikTok. <laughs> Maybe somewhere. Somewhere. In- I hope so. I hope I'm not the first. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I doubt it. Um, but uh, so, Jeremy, are there any. Um, are there any special initiatives that you have underway that you'd like to mention? Uh, so I'm currently working on, I'm, I'm working on a few things. Some of them I'm not quite ready to share. There will be new books coming. Um, there's a big, scary 
black book that is my thesis and no one will ever read it. I just (laughs) doesn't happen. No one reads demon theses, Uh, but I'm working on a popular consumption version of it to share how to read the Bible as one cohesive, coherent, interconnected conversation between the people of God and how that forms us better as individuals and faith communities. Uh, Those are also the sorts of things I talk about on various podcasts and on my TikTok. Um, But I'm out there doing the work. Um, There's dozens of sermons. I'm somewhere most Sundays. Don't currently, I'm not currently a pastor, currently teaching uh, during the week at a seminary. And then on Sundays, I'm on sort of a grand tour of churches in the South being to travel and preach. So there's, there are new books coming and there's content constantly being produced or curated. Hmm. All right. That, that sounds good to me. Um, now also, uh, how can people reach you if they'd like to learn more about you, your story, your book, you know, and, and, and Christianity and the Bible in general? Oh, absolutely. So the, the easiest way to get a hold of me is I have a landing page. It's RevJeremyHall.com. It's just my name, super easy. R-E-V, RevJeremyHall.com. And that can that gives you ways to contact me directly. It links you to all the social medias, links you to a booking page, links you to how to buy my books, how to find my writings, how to find my podcasts that I've run and the ones I've appeared on. It's all there. All right. That sounds good to me. You know, one-stop shop, easy way to reach you. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that's pretty much all I had for you um, uh, tonight, Jeremy. And um, I, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time and just sitting down with me. This was extremely interesting, an extremely interesting conversation. And um, you were, you know, honestly, I, I'm, I've got to be, I've got to be honest. You were way more interesting and this was way more of an eye opening interview than, um, I would have ever imagined. So this, you know, thank you for this. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Yeah. Warms my heart. (laughs) I am I am glad that, you know, I'm glad that I could make your day a little bit better, you know, um, a distraction from the sick kids and a lot of fun. All right, and this concludes my three-parter with Reverend Dr. Jeremy Hall, and um, yeah, we really touched on some pretty deep stuff here, talking about religion, basically religion, and not just touching on the topic of religion, but on the largest religion in the entire world, Christianity, and um, touching on where it stands today. And, uh, in doing so, we really hit on some, uh, you know, some pretty hot button topics. So, you know, I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you guys really got something out of it and, um, stay tuned for more in the future. It's been kind of, it's been quite the ride on this podcast. Um, especially in season two, having conversations about race with, um, different people with very different perspectives, talking to a young woman who survived, uh, growing up in a cult 
and who was the victim of uh, sex trafficking. And um, then later on, worked with an organization based out of Florida pursuing sex traffickers all around the world. You know, there, there are so many crazy, just unbelievable stories out there. And um, that's kind of what this podcast is, is for, you know, having those difficult conversations while being adults about it, but also highlighting people who are making a positive impact in our communities. So if that's the kind of thing you like, stay tuned. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have for today. If you'd like to know more about Reverend Dr. Hall, a link to his site is in the show notes. Check it out. Aside from that, I have nothing more to add, so have a great day, everyone.